Hey everyone, this is Wesley Town. Thanks for joining me today. Welcome to Better Days Season 3. Today's interview is with Julie and Christian Wilson. These are two of the most resilient and inspiring people that I've ever met. I know that their words today are going to help so many of you walk through the dark and painful days in your life and find hope on the journey. Julie Wilson is a co-founder of Anthem of Hope, a faith-centered organization dedicated to amplifying hope for those battling brokenness, depression, anxiety, self-harm, addiction, and suicide. Julie launched Anthem of Hope in 2016 alongside her husband, Jared Wilson, to help those struggling with mental health issues. By the way, if you need a smile, Julie has two of the coolest boys. And if you follow her on Instagram, you will know that they have some serious dance moves. Christian Wilson is a speaker, writer, and specializes in social media marketing. He has also struggled with depression and anxiety and is passionate about ending the stigmas around mental illness. Christian is the brother of Jared Wilson. Jared Wilson was an influential voice in Christianity around the subject of mental health, and he was very open about his own struggle with depression and anxiety. In September of 2019, Jared passed away by suicide. Julie and Christian Wilson now lead Anthem of Hope. Together, they are helping people to find hope in the truth that God loves you, your life matters, and you have a purpose. Julie and Christian carry on Jared's legacy of bringing the message of hope and God's love to people who are struggling with mental health. Thank you, Julie and Christian, for joining me today. I want to tell you both that I'm deeply moved by your story and your resiliency to walk through heartbreaking pain and at the same time choose to use your story to spread hope, value, and God's love to countless people. I've been following what you've been doing for uh, a while now, and I just want to truly thank you for your voice of influence and choosing to use your story to bring hope to so many people. Why don't we kick off this interview by having you tell us a little bit about yourselves. Yeah, so my name is Julie Wilson, and I am a mom, a writer, and a speaker. And up until September of this past year, I was a pastor's wife for seven years. Um, we live in beautiful California. And yeah, that's pretty much how I spend my days, writing, speaking, and chasing after little boys. <laughs> in the sun, which is nice, right? Yes, yes. The weather is definitely a plus. Hey, my name is Christian Wilson. I am Julie Wilson's brother-in-law and co-founder of Anthem of Hope with her. Um, I also live in California. Um, I love being near the beach because I'm a huge surf advocate. So I love going down and surfing down in Huntington Beach. So it's fantastic down here. Yes, yeah, shock of vibes to you. I lived in Hawaii and San Diego, so I get that. Love it. Yes. What's your Enneagram numbers? I am a seven. Okay. I am also a seven, but I'm a seven wing eight. That's amazing. So you guys have a lot in common. Oh, yeah. Yeah, both very spontaneous, not afraid to be in the middle of a crowd and make fun of ourselves if it's going to make other people laugh. That is awesome. Can you both share the story behind Anthem of Hope? Yeah, so basically in 2014, my husband Jared... Um, just noticed this really big um, lack in the church for resources for mental health. And he started brainstorming on ways that we could kind of bridge that gap between, you know, needing 
needing a place to go if you're feeling overwhelmed or anxious or filled with um, just tons of different anxious thoughts, panic attacks, depression, all the above. He was just like, you know what? I think it would be so beautiful if there was a place that people could go to not only find help for their mental health, but also encouraging scriptures and something that pointed them back to the Lord and, and kind of, you know, kill two birds with one stone, hit the heart and the mind. And so he started Anthem of Hope just in our little two bedroom apartment and made a website and just kind of threw it up one night and said, Hey, I think this could really be something. And long story short, it kind of went from an idea to a full blown nonprofit in about a year where we have resources now for people. Um, we have a chat that people can go to to talk to what we call hope coaches, just people who can encourage them to continue living, first of all, which is huge. And then also just give them advice on how to deal with things like anxiety or if they're having, you know, suicidal thoughts, who to reach out to. And so it's just been a really cool, almost hub for the church, um, a place to send people who express their, um, I guess, their whatever they're dealing with, with mental health um, when they come to them, they're able to send them somewhere. So it's been really rad. That's amazing. And I, I, as I just kind of think back to 2014, when I started talking about and teaching on suffering and mental health, I can't think of another person that had a platform in Christianity that started something like this. Uh, so what you guys started was really um, the grassroots of the beginning of this discussion and influence. Um and kind of pioneering something that was so needed uh, in Christianity to have a voice in this space and help teach people. So I'm really thankful for uh, your guys' heart to to launch this. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's been an honor, honestly, just getting to be a part of it and getting to remind people that their lives matter has been just the joy of our days, honestly. We couldn't ask for a better way to live and to, I guess, fulfill this calling God's put on our life. We're like, gosh, if we could you know, use our time to help other people realize that they're so needed here. Like what better way to live, you know? Yes. Yeah. Jared and I had both struggled with mental illness for a lot of our lives and mental illness runs pretty deep within our family. So this is something that we had always been, um, something that has always been a part of our lives and something that we grew up with in the church because we were raised in the church and we saw that there really wasn't any people that were equipped to help us with what we were dealing with. And so that was a big stepping stone toward where we are now, um, was that we grew up not having the resources that we want to be allowed to give other people now. Jared was such an influential voice in Christianity around the subject of mental health. And uh, I love that Christian, you just shared how it's been a struggle for the both of you in your family, um, and I would love for you to share a little bit about his heart uh, in launching this and uh, his heart to reach people who are struggling with depression, anxiety, and suicide. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I was diagnosed with depression, anxiety, and obsessive compulsive disorder when I was about six years old. Um, Jared had a severe injury playing soccer in high school um, where he almost had his leg amputated. And that was his identity forever was he was the soccer guy, all of his friends, everyone at his school that knew him, um, they knew him as the soccer guy, and he was planning to do that for the rest of his life. So it really shaped his future, um, not being able to do that anymore with this leg injury. And so that put him into uh, a very, very deep bout of depression. 
And around that time, the church that we had grown up in um, was not equipped at all to help us with what we were going through. They had no knowledge of what mental illness was, what caused it, how to help people who are dealing with it. Um, so we were told what sadly a lot of people are told, which is it must be a faith issue. If we just pray about it, it'll go away. Um, that it's something that is our own fault or it's something that God is um, punishing us for for a past sin or whatever. And um, Jared and I, we both didn't feel that that, self, that, that set right with us. And um, we knew that that couldn't be the answer and that it wasn't just that we were being punished for something or that we weren't praying hard enough. Um, so Jared specifically really went into a deep personal dive where he was constantly researching what the Bible actually says about mental illness and what it means to be depressed and all these other different Bible characters that were also dealing with these things. Um, and that really catapulted him back into the church when he was dealing with his mental illness. Um, and the longer that he studied it, the more that he realized that there weren't a whole lot of places that anyone could go specifically who were both Christian and struggling with mental illness. And so that was kind of the seed that was planted 10, 12 years ago. And something that has always been on his heart, something that has always been on my, my heart, because we were both so deeply influenced by our experience of not having help. And obviously, years down the road, this is something that he's clung on to and wanted to make sure that other people were able to obtain the help that they needed. Yeah, I'm so grateful for you sharing that because uh, I had a similar experience. I struggle with anxiety, pretty se severe anxiety, uh, most of my adult life. And I was leading a incredibly fast-growing church, um, and it was exhilarating and exciting as a church planner to be a part of something that grew from a couple of people in the living room to more than 2,000 people in five years. And at the same time, I was just battling uh, anxiety and panic attacks um, and kind of the underlying complexity of cause behind it was a lot of stress, um, but also just learning how to uh, have healthy inputs in my life as a leader, which I didn't know at that point because I was really young. A lot of the answers that I heard in Christianity were just like so narrow. Uh, you know, you just need to pray. You just need to trust God. And I'm like, I'm praying every day. I'm trusting God. But like, I keep feeling this and it's, it's it, you know, it feels like suffocating. Uh, it overtakes you. You get so discouraged about it because you try and try and try and nothing seemed to be working. And so there wasn't a lot of resources um, back in 2012, 2013 that I could find um, or even, even voices that were encouraging people like, this is normal. Um, and so many different leaders experience this. And now as I travel and I connect with different pastors, I'm realizing that it's not just a few of us. It's it's almost the majority. Um, and so, wow, I'm really thankful for you sharing that part of your story because I think a lot of people can relate to it. What, what kind of work are you guys currently doing uh, around bringing the message of hope to people who are struggling with mental health conditions? Yeah. So my part, particularly, I, um, I travel and I speak and kind of just 
open the conversation, usually in churches or at conferences, um, about mental health in the church. And the beautiful thing about it is I just get to share my story of being married to Jared. And there's so much power in stories. I'm so grateful that, you know, all throughout scripture, you read about stories of people and God use, uses stories in such a powerful way to hit the hearts of other people. And um, so when I go out, my my main purpose with Anthem is to just share and let people know that there's hope after loss, that there's there's hope during your battle with mental health. There's things you can do to make the battle better. It might not necessarily go away, but there's ways to um, to get help and to not have to struggle as intensely. And so that's my personal um, part with Anthem. But Christian actually, since Jared's passing, has pretty much taken on everything for Anthem. And he's doing an incredible job. I mean, he's just knocking it out of the park. And so I think he would be the best to share with you what all he's doing, the dreams he has, where we see this going. Awesome. He's your guy. (laughs) Perfect. No, I appreciate that. Um, The core of Anthem right now is we want to do as much as we can to spread awareness Um, So like Julie said, a lot of that has been speaking engagements, uh, collaborations with other churches, other nonprofits, making sure that we are not only talking about what mental illness is, um, because you would be amazed by the amount of people who aren't even sure what mental illness is or what causes depression or what the symptoms are. Um, So that's one of the main things that we want to spread awareness on, but also working on Uh, workshops and coming up with ways that we can equip pastors, leaders, and church staff to be better equipped to help those people as well. We know that this is a mission that we cannot do solely on our own. And so we are trying to put together a bunch of different programs that we can implement in different churches um, so that they can equip their teams to better help their people and their congregation and the people that they've been given the ability to pastor over. Um, So that is a lot of the upcoming efforts, um, kind of with the goal in mind that we don't want this to just be a church focus because everybody struggles with mental illness. We are absolutely faith-based and we absolutely believe that God can and does heal However, we also want to help as many people as we can um, with the hopes and the promise that those people will eventually come to know Christ as well. Um, So we really want to end up bridging the gap between the church and the non-churched, the rest of the world, in something that in a way, in a sad way, kind of unites the two of us together, which is that mental illness does not discriminate. There is not a specific religion. There's not a specific race that is affected or not affected by mental illness. Um, So we really want to be able to bring those two sides of the church and the non-church together in a way that promotes better mental health and opens up the conversation about a healing sovereign God. I love all of that everything you're doing, your heart, your perspective. Uh, I'm a fan, and uh, I will continue to point people to what you're doing and, and spread the word. And I, I just think, I think so much of this comes out of your guys' story. And uh, with the painful uh, loss of Jared um, in September 2019, and just watching you 
decide to carry on the work, even in the midst of your own pain and brokenness that you both are experiencing. Would you share just post-processing the loss of your husband and your brother, how you came together and decided, you know, like even in the midst of our pain, even in the midst of our loss, we're going to have purpose and we are going to carry on this message and, and spread it to as many people as possible. Yeah, I mean, immediately when Jared passed, obviously our whole world just turned upside down. I mean, there's no way for that not to do that to you. We all were crushed and devastated and still are. I mean, it's something that we deal with every single day. And I think until the day we we go home to heaven, we will deal with the, the pain and the missing and the grief. Um, but immediately we still we still knew that this was something we had to do. I don't think that was ever in question for either of us. If anything, I think it kind of put more fire under us of like, we've got to continue this. We have to be speaking out because I mean, Jared was such a passionate follower of Jesus. He loved him with his whole heart and he loved people in a way that I've never seen anyone love people. I mean, he knew everyone's name and he had this unique ability to make everyone feel like they were his best friend. (laughs) Even if they had met him once or twice, everyone felt like he was their best friend and that they could confide in him and trust in him. And he was just this powerhouse for the Lord. And um, just the way he lived his life was so obvious. It was so obvious that he just loved God with all he had, but yet he struggled with mental health. And I think for so long, so many people have thought that's not a possibility. Like you can't, you can't be, you know, a man or woman after God and also struggle with mental health issues like depression or anxiety, that has to be a lack of faith. Like there's no other, other way to look at it, but that's just simply not the case. And, you know, Jared's head and his heart were in such competition with each other. And he spent his life trying to get his brain to catch up with his heart. And, you know, unfortunately for him, that never happened Earthside, He's completely healed and, and good now. And that gives us peace to continue on, you know, knowing that he's good, but at the same time, um, knowing other people aren't, really puts a fire in us to continue his legacy and to move forward with this. And we know that it's such a real battle. This isn't something that's just made up in someone's head. It's not something that they can just snap out of. Like this is something that people really deal with all day, every day. And knowing that and knowing that people are battling between wondering if they're a bad Christian because they have anxiety that day or wondering if they're even a Christian because they feel depressed or sad. We're we're here to kind of remind them like you are so loved and so needed. And if you've made that decision to to follow Christ, nothing can separate you from him. And, um, in these hard times and in these moments, when you feel overtaken, we want to be there with you. We want to walk alongside you. And, and not only that, when we can't be there with you, we want to give you resources and teach you ways that you can get through it, you know? And, um, I'm just thankful for scripture because when you look through it, you see so many people who were really sad and broken. And you look at David, he was a man after God's own heart, but all throughout Psalms, he talks about how he, you know, is having a hard time having the the hope to keep living. And if God doesn't show up, he doesn't know if he can make it another day. And that his enemies are pursuing him on every end. And he just wants it to stop. He wants everything to stop. And I think a lot of us have um, people in our lives, or it might be even someone who's listening right now who feels that way. We just want it to stop all the, all the, um, the noise, you know, the noise in our head. And at the same time, I think it's just so cool that the Bible shows us, Hey, you can be a believer and deal with that. You could be someone who's a man after God's own heart and still wonder if you can make it through the the situation you're going through or, or the feelings that you're feeling. And that's just, that's how he deals with us. And I think that's what we're trying to do is just um, let people see that side of God, the compassionate side, the side that wants to be our strength, the side that knows that we, we're going to struggle. And, you know, um, Jesus himself said, you know, God, if it's possible, let this cut pass for me right before he 
went on the cross, you know, and then he, he followed up with, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He knew what it was like to struggle and to not, not want to be in the spot that he was in, but yet he persevered and he, he overcame that for us. And through that same power, we can overcome everything, you know? And I think there's just so much peace that comes along with that. And, and so many people are being set free knowing like, yeah, I can love God with all I have and still have anxiety today. And that doesn't make me a less believer. That just means I might need to talk to someone, reach out to someone or get some help, you know, and that's never a thing to be ashamed of because I think there there's never a time where God deals with us with, with shame. He's always speaking life over us and telling us who we are, who he created us to be, the way he wired us and how good we are, how we're in his image. And so shame is from the enemy. Um, God's never going to shame us for the way we're feeling or the way we're thinking. He just asked us to give it to him and to be honest with him and to, to let him restore us. And so anyone out there who's feeling shame today, feeling like they're not good enough as a believer because they woke up a little anxious today, just, just find rest and knowing that that's just not from God. That is so good. I mean, I just think of all the people that are listening to this or are going to be listening to your message as you travel and you speak to know that you can love Jesus and still struggle with anxiety. You can love Jesus and still struggle with depression. I think it. I think there's this concept that in the midst of brokenness, when we come to Jesus, that kind of reality is discarded from our life, when in reality, that's not true. We live in a broken world. And because of that, even in the midst of loving Jesus, we feel the effects of brokenness. Um, I love that you highlighted Jesus because... A lot of us in the West and in American Christianity would never describe Jesus how Isaiah described him, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. I mean, most of us in the West were like, Jesus is happy and everything's always great. But that's not how the Bible describes Jesus. He felt the pain of brokenness. He had sorrow and grief in his heart and in his life. And then, like you said, if you look through Scripture, it's raw, it's real, and the stories are of broken people trying to navigate life in the midst of pain and heartache and depression and anxiety and challenges in relational dynamics. So the more we can share that, what you just shared, and even reflecting on the life of Jared, he loved Jesus, but he still struggled with mental health. I think people need to hear that because that's freeing. Oh, yeah. And I mean, if you think about it, if people were struggling with this way back then, think of how much more intense it is. Now we have stuff in our face nonstop telling us you're not good enough. You know, so and so would be better at this. It's in our hand. We're holding our phone all day with the instant comparisons, wondering if our voice even matters because everyone on the planet now has a voice and a platform. Um, you don't even have to earn it anymore. You just have to sign up. You get an Instagram, you get a Facebook, whatever you want, and you have a platform. And it's so hard to live in a time like this where everything's so fast paced and so comparison based really um, to not feel that way sometimes and to not get overwhelmed by, by the mentality and the culture we live in that says, if you're not busy, you're not important. And if you don't have a packed schedule, you have no value or no worth. And we've kind of lost the, uh, the art of resting and, and being content and who we are because we don't know how to do that anymore. The world tells us that if you do that, you don't matter. And so there's so many people out there questioning their worth and their purpose because we, we're just living in a time that's just dark and it's darker than the world's ever been. I mean, that's what scripture tells us, you know, it doesn't get better. It's, it gets worse before Jesus comes back. So we have to, we have to be encouraging one another and building each other up in the faith and telling each other it's okay to not be okay, but we're not going to let you stay like that because this life is really hard. 
but there's this guy named Jesus who is acquainted with that grief and he can help us through it. And we're going to, you know, band together. And we know the end of the story. We know it's going to keep getting harder and keep getting scarier, but we also know that the power of Jesus can overcome any darkness. Um, the light of Jesus can always overcome any darkness. And so um, I think in just light of that, knowing that we are facing hard times and, and the the life that we live, whether you have personal agony going on or, you know, trials in your own life. I mean, step out into the world and you're already faced with it. You don't even have to have it personally. I mean, all around us, things are falling apart and we have to be so banded together and so grounded in our faith to make it through. Because if not, I mean, no one could face this without Jesus. And that's why I think the world is it's in the state that it's in. It's just, it's a hard time to, you know, to be fighting through anything, honestly, but especially mental health and um, like depression and anxiety, this is a hard time to be dealing with that. The world is just in a, in a scary place and we need each other. And most importantly, we need Jesus and we need him bad. So I think that's why we get so excited to talk about it is he's still enough and he's always going to be enough. And the gospel has so much power. You know, if we, if we said nothing more than just a little bit of scripture today, I mean, that would be enough power to, to encourage some people. So I'm just thankful that his, his message is still, still enough, you know? What, what a brilliant observation that today it's harder than it's ever been before and how we are faced with the social dynamics of living in a digital age with our iphone a great resource for people to um, purchase is a book by my friend john mark comer which is uh titled the ruthless elimination of hurry where he gets into how the world has changed and how uh, our mental health has changed and been exasperated by our current cultural conditions. So I don't know if you guys have read that book, but it's so good um, around this subject. And it's basically everything that you shared. So thank you for uh, pointing that out. I would say there's still a lot of false ideas and stigmas around mental health and Christianity. I would love to hear from you both about some of your observations of the false ideas about mental health and Christianity that are continuing to exist and persist um, and spread amongst kind of the Christian space and Christian culture that you guys are trying to deconstruct in in what you're speaking on and writing about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that if people are feeling either depressed or anxious, that it's something that they can just get over. Um, and I think it's very, very difficult for people to understand that mental illness is exactly that it is an illness it is an illness of one of the most important if not the most important organs in our body our brain um, and more often than not these mental illnesses are caused by someone's brain not working like it's supposed to just like if someone were to have a failing liver or a failing heart um, it's not something that you can just wish was better and all of a sudden it gets better um, again, God absolutely can heal and he does. Um, however, that doesn't mean he always will. And in fact, one of my favorite quotes uh, that Jared ever shared, um, he said, loving Jesus doesn't always cure suicidal thoughts. Loving Jesus doesn't always cure depression. Loving Jesus doesn't always cure anxiety. But that doesn't mean Jesus doesn't offer us companionship and comfort because he always does that. And so I think it's a huge misconception um, revolving mental illness, that it's something that if we just pray hard enough, it'll go away. Uh, if you look at the story of Paul and the thorn in his side, it's something that he prayed God would be taken from him. And whether that was a mental illness, whether that was people talking poorly of him, um, whatever that thorn in the side was, 
it wasn't taken from him. And if you look at the story of Job, a lot of people think is a very extreme circumstance. Really, it's not. If you think about how many people suffer with loss and loss of finances, loss of people in their life, um, the story of Job is a clear indication that just because we are great in our faith, just because we're constantly praying and crying out to God, doesn't mean that we're not going to face hard circumstances and that things aren't going to hurt us. Um, the Lord said that Job couldn't be physically hurt, but he could have these things taken from him to test his faith. And so um, I think that's something that a lot of people don't see is that there is a force that is against us. Um, and a lot of times it can be physical. A lot of times it's something that is going on within our brain. Um, but more than that, I think it's this idea that if you're a Christian, you can't struggle. And that if you have a good relationship with God, that your life should be great and your life should reflect that with your health and your finances and et cetera, et cetera. Um, when the Bible says clearly that we will face struggles and that's the exact time that we need to rely on God and that we need to have faith. I was just going to say, I would add to that. One of the main things that I think is so important to get across is that pastors are people. Um, for me, obviously being a pastor's wife and watching Jared struggle with this, there's such an um, almost unrealistic expectation sometimes. This view of perfection and people kind of put him on a pedestal so many times of, well, you're the happy-go-lucky guy. You're the one who can make everyone else's problems seem better. Why can't you do that for yourself? And, you know, do you even belong behind the pulpit if you're struggling with this? Well, um, why why did Julie not speak up and say that he's dealing with this and then knowing he's speaking at a church? And I've just, I've got to say, like, mental health, like, like Christian has said so many times, it doesn't discriminate. It doesn't care if you're a pastor or if you work at Target. It doesn't care who you are, what you do. It, it can hit you at any time, anywhere. And Jared struggled with that, but he did it openly. And he was so brave in that. And in, in the sense of, he said, you know, I have this call in my life to be a pastor and to shepherd God's people, which he did amazingly. But he also let people know, hey, I also struggle with this really bad. And I'm going to let people know about it. I'm going to talk about it. And, you know, for a while, and I still get it. Sometimes there's so many people who don't understand that and don't want to get it. They don't want to see God in that way of, Hey, God actually does use broken people to spread his gospel. And God actually does act, uh, specialize uh, in broken people, but pastors are just the same. I mean, they're, they're people. And the only difference is they spend their time all day, every day, either teaching or studying, but that's it. They're also just like us. They have families and lives and stress and um, DNA makeup and, and brains, just like all of us. And, you know, they're, they're people. And I think that's so easy to forget sometimes is that you can be on a church staff. You can be the strongest believer in the church and still deal with this. And, and that doesn't make you any, any less. It just makes you human. And I mean, we're going to have that condition until we die, right? We're all human. <laughs> we're all going to be that way until we heaven and we have our perfected bodies and brains. And until then we're going to struggle. And he, he personally struggled with that. And there's so many other pastors who do. And for me, if I could just be a voice to say like, Hey, pastors, don't be afraid or ashamed to talk about it. You're, you're not going to look at be looked at as any less. And if the people that you're surrounded with really are God fearing believers, they're going to be there to support you and love you. And um, I would just say, I tell people all the time, you know, one of the biggest questions I get, they're like, well, how do you, if you see someone struggling with depression or anxiety and you're worried about them, how do you bring it up without offending them? And I would just say, Hey, I would rather offend somebody than for them to lose their life. And it's the same if you're feeling that way, pastor, 
church, you know, if you're on a church staff, if you're feeling that way, I would rather you offend someone or make someone uncomfortable with you telling them you're not doing well than for you to get to the point where you feel like you have no option, but to not live anymore, like speak up, speak out, whatever you're feeling, like, don't be afraid of offending anybody, making anyone uncomfortable. Like I said, I would rather someone be uncomfortable than for you to feel like your only way out is out. And so I think if, if we could just encourage people, use your voice, tell people your life does matter, do it, even if you don't feel it, tell someone that you have a will to live and you you need help, you know, just go for it. And don't be so afraid of what other people might think, or if you're a burden, because that's just simply not the case. And more times than not, people want to know, they just don't, you know, we're, we're pretty uneducated on mental health until we decide to decide to educate ourselves. Most of us have grown up unless you deal with it, not really caring, because we just think, you know, oh, that doesn't apply to me. But people want to know and they want to help you and the people in your lives who love you might just they just might not notice. So to speak up and tell them it's, it's, it's just so much better to get it off your chest and to hold it in and for pastors specifically, just please know you have that freedom. Don't be worried about job loss or this or that worry about your life. I mean, your life is what matters the most at the end of the day, jobs come and go platforms come and go but you get one life and if you're feeling miserable burnt out or tired, speak up about it because that is not the life God intended for you. And you can never lead fully out of that. That is such an important point. In fact, like this is, this is kind of the, the reason, um, the underlying passion that I'm doing what I'm doing, because I know behind the scenes, so many pastors who are uh, burdened, stressed, anxious, depressed, struggling to navigate the heaviness and weight of life and ministry, their own humanity, and then everybody else's humanity that they're leading. Um, and behind the scenes, I'm noticing more and more, as you guys talk about this, as I talk about this, as other people are talking about this, that pastors are starting to share. But I would echo that. If you're struggling and you're hurting, reach out for help. And I would say that just because we teach the Bible or just because we help people to grow in Christ doesn't mean that we don't need help. Uh, we need help as well because you said it perfectly. We're human. Uh, that's never going to leave us until we're face to face with God in heaven. And so uh, I think it's so important what you said. If you're listening to this, listen to those words, uh, reach out for help, you can get help and there are people who will love you and accept you and provide a safe place where you can be totally vulnerable with whatever you're going through. In fact, you can DM me. I'll help you anytime. Uh, you can reach out to Anthem of Hope. They will help you as well. But, but we're a safe place. And I would say more and more, there are many more safe places because we are spreading and educating this, this uh, kind of maybe a lot of ignorance in Christianity, but we're bringing education and, and spreading the message of normalization uh, because people need to know it's, it's not just you, it's me too. It's so many of us that have struggled with this. And I think you said something important, Julie, uh, about maybe, maybe some of the reason that people are struggling with this concept of mental health in Christianity is just a lack of education or a lack of understanding. So, um, I would love to know your guys' kind of definition of mental health. I have one. Um, for me, mental health encompasses a person's well-being uh, psychologically, so the mind, emotionally, um, socially, so our, our social dynamics in culture, in our relationships, and then spiritually. I think spiritual health is such an important part of mental health. And so 
to me, mental health is the concept that we're pursuing health in our mind, in our emotions, in our relationships, in our society, and spiritually with God, which I believe is the foundation. If you guys have another thought or an element to that, I would love to hear it. No, I I really agree with what you just said. Um, I believe that a person's mental health encompasses their condition um, regarding their spiritual walk, their emotional well-being, their psychological well-being, um, and mental illness is any sort of uh, disorder or condition that affects those. It affects how you think. It affects how you feel. It affects your behavior. Um, so I think what you said was extremely spot on, and I would agree with you. Okay. I love your guys' sayings that you post on Instagram. They're one-liners. You know, as you read them, you just know you've put so much thought uh, into them. And they're about mental health. If you haven't seen Julian Christian's Instagram, Anthem of Hope, you can check it out, Anthem of Hope on Instagram. But I think they're really encouraging, but they're also deconstructing and educating people. So I'm just going to name a few of these, and I'd love for you to share just quickly about each of them. So the first one is mental illness does not discriminate. You've said that a few times, but love to sh- for you to share real quick uh, about that. Yeah. So a lot of our posts either come from one, us wanting to encourage people and let them know that they're not alone in their struggles. Um, so specifically with this one, mental illness doesn't discriminate. Um, we want people to know, like we've said through uh, the past few topics that there are so many different walks of life you can be in and still be struggling with mental illness. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter whether you're a pastor or not a pastor. It doesn't matter where you work. It doesn't matter where you live. Anybody and everybody can struggle with mental illness. And that's something that's so important to understand. So there's not this misconception that you were targeted for something or that there is a specific reason why you got this and somebody else did not. Um, Just like any other illness, there isn't really a specific type of person it goes after. It doesn't discriminate and everyone and anyone can be affected by it. So good. The next one is mental illness does not equal a lack of faith. Yeah. So again, I think this is a a huge misconception, um, specifically within the church, that if somebody struggles with mental illness, they're either not taking care of their spiritual walk or they must have something wrong with their relationship with God, or they're not praying hard enough. Uh, Again, if you look back through biblical characters and you look at the story of Moses or King David or the prophet Elijah, um, these are all people who were seen as great, great men of God and people who feared and loved and were doing incredible things for the kingdom of Jesus. However, they still struggled. I mean, Moses, David, Elijah... Um, These are all people that asked God to take their lives from them. And so it isn't always a a faith issue. I do believe that a incorrect or a um, walking away of your relationship with God can affect your mental health. However, I think more often than not, that is not the cause for somebody's mental illness. So we can't associate those two. Another one, medication is not the enemy of faith. Ooh, this is such a good one. So a big thing still to this day, um, even with a lot of churches that are starting to have the conversation around mental illness or mental health, 
still do not want to talk about therapy, counseling, or medication. Um, there is a big pull in the direction that medication is not from God or that anything that you are using to affect your mind. A lot of people quote the sober mind verse um, that somehow this disqualifies you from being a good Christian. And I'm using air quotes around good, that this somehow disqualifies you from having a correct relationship with God. And the way that I grew up, um, my dad works in the pharmaceutical industry. And so I grew up with a dad who had a degree in psychology. And he always taught us that God gave somebody the knowledge, the skill set, the ability to create a medication that allows somebody's brain to work the way that God intended to so that they can live the life that God intended to. Wow, that's so good. And if you don't mind, I if I can add something to that, I think when we tell people uh, around mental health conditions that they cannot take medication, and if they do, it's unspiritual, it's unbiblical, I think that's a form of legalism. And uh, I... I can't imagine a pastor or a leader or a spiritual, um, you know, some sort of spiritual influencer telling people, hey, you have diabetes, but you can't take the necessary medication you need. Uh, or you have cancer and you can't get the treatment you need. And if you do, it's unbiblical. I think when we say that type of thing, first of all, like you mentioned, there's a lot of ignorance, but I think it's also legalism. Nowhere in scripture does it say that we can't find people to help us. God gifts people to help people. And we need therapy. Therapy's been life-changing for me. I know so many pastors that are uh, getting counseling or therapy on a consistent basis just to help them sort through the challenges of life. So uh, I, I think maybe we can set some people free from these false like ideas about medication or therapy or counseling. They're, they can all be good. And so... Thank you for for writing that. A few more. The church should be a place of safety, not shame. This is one that Julie and I actually talked about extremely recently. And we have gotten a lot of feedback, a lot of negative feedback around what we're doing around uh, Anthem of Hope and mental illness. And it constantly amazes us that there's still such a negative stigma around all these different things, not just mental health. Um, but a whole lot of different social and political issues in the church that people tend to be outcasted based on whatever they're dealing with or things that are happening in their lives or their beliefs. Um, and when you look at the first church, the Acts church, people were selling all of their possessions to make sure that they could care for those in need. They were welcoming anybody who wanted to listen, anybody who needed help into their arms, even if they weren't believers, so that they could live out the life and the calling that God had on their lives, which was to love God and to love people. And so I think we tend to go different directions and get caught up in all of these different things that don't really matter as much as loving God and loving people. And so that one specifically, um, we think that the church is more equipped than anywhere else in the world to be a place for hope for these people. And we've heard too many horror stories of people leaving the church or walking away from the church because when they needed the church most and they needed help, they were shamed. 
or they were told that what they were going through was their own fault, or they were outcasted, or they were told they couldn't be a part of this ministry because of something that was going on in their lives. Um, and that, I think, is kind of one of the main pillars of what's happening right now surrounding mental illness, is that the church as a whole needs to get so, so, so much better, um, not in just being accepting, but being loving and being welcoming and being a place that people who are hurting want to go to, whether they believe in God or not. We should be welcoming people with open arms because if nothing else, that's what God called us to do. He called us to love people and to help people. And I think that we need to get better at doing that. Well said. I think it's funny too, because we kind of think of it as like, well, this is such a new conversation. How do we approach it? So a lot of people just don't approach it. But if you look at it, I mean, this is basic biblical instruction. I mean, look after people who are in distress, take care of people. I, I mean, I'm so grateful that scripture says that we love because first God, God first loved us and not we shame others because God first shamed us or we um, outcast others because God outcasted us. No, he loved us. And that's how we're supposed to lead. So it's so funny that we overcomplicate this, um, this message so often of like, well, we don't know how to handle it. Um, so our defaults just shame. Well, we don't understand. So there must be something wrong with you. But if you just get to like the basic Bible where it just says to love people and to lift them up when they're going through hard times, it really shouldn't be that big of a deal to talk about. And I think more times than not, it's just that we've kind of taken our eyes off what God really said to do because it's not fun. And it's not, I mean, who, who really wants to spend their day helping someone who's distressed? If you can just talk about them instead, like that's become easier, you know, like, well, we don't get them, so we're going to talk about you. But it takes actual following after Jesus and actually carrying that cross, which is heavy. You know, that cross that we're supposed to carry every day and picking up the heaviness of others and loving on people and helping them, you know. And it's just it's just basically what Jesus said to do. Go love people and help them out. And if we took that seriously, instead of making so many excuses as to why they don't deserve our love, I mean, gosh, we could change the whole world because we'd actually be doing what God told us to do. And it's... It's a lot easier to make excuses, though, you know, and I, I'm kind of tired of the church selling ourselves so short. I'm like, why are we making so many excuses? Like, let's take this thing seriously. Let's reach out. Let's love on people. Let's have these hard conversations and let's quit limiting what God can do through the power of his love and his goodness, because shame's not going to get us anywhere. It's going to keep us stuck and it's never going to create true, authentic community. But gosh, something beautiful happens when we allow ourselves to kind of step off that high horse of we've got it all together and you don't, we connect over our brokenness and allow God's love to actually transform the way we treat other people and talk to them about what they're going through. So well said. Thank you for that. Quote one more of your sayings, hope gets the last word. Yeah. I mean, for me, me personally, um, and I've shared this a few times, but when Jared passed away, that was my biggest fear. I, uh, I stared fear in the face that day is just losing the per person closest to me on earth. I think that's probably most people's <laughs> fear is like, you know, for me personally, I'm like, God, you can do anything in our lives. Send us where you want to send us. You know, we'll, we'll be poor. We'll do whatever you want. I don't care. As long as we have each other, we can make it through anything. And so in that moment, when my person was gone, um, it would only make sense that it would feel like there'd be no hope or that life has no meaning or that I should just give up and curse God because if he was truly loving, he wouldn't allow something like this to happen. And if he really had a hope in a future for me, there's no way he would take my spouse away when I have a three and a four year old and I'm 27 years old. That, that's not a loving God. That's not, that's not true. Um, 
true hope. Like there's no way that he can give you that. But I have to tell you, in the midst of that, and I'm still walking through it every single day, there has been an unshakable hope in my life. There has been this foundation. It's just like scripture says, you know, when the storms come, if you've built your house on the rock, you will not be um, overtaken. And that's been the case for us. Do I miss Jared? I miss him nonstop all day, every day, and will forever be marked by what happened on September 9th. But at the same time, there's purpose and there's hope and God still is working and there's still a mission here on earth. You know, there's still people who need to be reached and loved and pointed to Jesus. And um, if you think about it, our time here on earth is so short. Most of us, we kind of forget about it. We kind of focus so much about what's going on here and then heaven's an afterthought. But if you think about it, we're going to spend most of our lives in the afterlife. Like this is such a short part of who we are. And so for me, if anything, it's almost given me more hope realizing like our time here is so short and there are so many people who need to know about Jesus and eternity is so real. There's something that becomes real about it when the person you love most is now experiencing glory and you're wondering all day, every day, like, what is he experiencing and what is he seeing? And, oh my gosh, I can't imagine the worship he's, he's um, being a part of right now and the glory of God standing right before him. And when you have that, that shift in your life, um, where someone that you know and know so deeply is now experiencing that you can't help but want other people to have that. And you realize how short life is. And so for me, as twisted, twisted as it sounds, like I'm grateful. It's so grateful for what God is doing through this. And I'm so grateful for the future he has for us. I will forever wonder why this is the plan that he allowed to play out for me. I won't have all the answers to every single question I have, but the answers I do have are found in scripture and their promises to cling to that he will never leave us or, or forsake us. And that means no matter who passes before us on earth, God's still with us. It doesn't matter who's to your left or your right. As long as you have him, you have all that you need. And I mean, just having that, what more hope do you need than to know that you are held and that you are loved and not just by anyone, but by the creator of the universe, the one who knows the beginning from the end, how can you not have that hope and not have that excitement for the afterlife and knowing that you are headed to eternal glory. And no matter what you struggle with here, I'm telling you from the darkest part of my journey, I mean, I'm in the midst of it. This is just six months in and I can tell you with complete confidence that God is everything he says he is and that he truly will never leave you. And that regardless of what you're going through, who you've lost, what you've lost, he will always be enough and he will always get you through. And he's never leading you to a place of eternal darkness especially as a believer, we know that's not our destination. So you can walk with confidence knowing that this is just a pathway. Like you're just walking through this right now. This is not what he's called you to. This is not who you are. It's just something he's using to grow you and to make you more like him. So um, I've heard it said before that anything that makes you more like Jesus is a blessing and not a curse. And that can be really hard to, to take in because we don't want pain and we don't want suffering. And you know, we want God to use us, but in the way that we want him to use us. But gosh, if we're really being transformed into his likeness, and he's using whatever we're walking through to make us more like him. What more of a beautiful life and hope could we hold on to than that? I mean, he he truly can do so much more than you expect him to do. You just have to understand that in saying that and asking God to be more than you expect him to do, you have to let him surpass your expectations. And our expectations for our lives are usually pretty good. Like we don't really, I don't know about you, but when I make my expectations, I'm not like, okay, let me insert a trial here or there. And that's what I would like to see happen in my life. We, we leave those parts out. But if we really want God to blow our mind and we want him to exceed um, our expectations, we have to let him. And that includes heartbreak and that includes pain and things we will never understand. But gosh, he really will come through and show his glory in a way that the world can't deny or turn away from. I mean, they'll see it and it'll be so evident that there is something about him that is so different than anything they've ever seen. 
Yeah, first of all, I just want to echo everything Julie just said because I could not agree more with what she just spoke on. Uh, but very, very soon after Jared passed, um, it was made very, very clear to us and all of the people that he had been in touch with that Jared's mission was bigger than his life and his purpose far extended that as well. And we're still seeing the benefits of that today. And so very early on, um, we kind of agreed that we could either let this ruin us or we could let this rebuild us. And it was something that we all kind of clung on to that Jared has set the foundation of this conversation with his life. And after his passing, as horrible as it was for all of us to experience, this is something that God is continuing to use. And his life in of itself um, has kind of been our anthem of hope, seeing that he struggled with his mental illness and his depression and his anxiety for 9, 10, 11 years. Um, and when my dad, Jared's dad, spoke at his memorial service, that's one of the things that he mentioned was that he doesn't see this anymore as God took Jared too early. He sees it as God gave us Jared for another 10 years. And so that's something that we've really, really been clinging on to that as horrible as a situation this has been, Jared struggled for a very long time. And for 10, 11 years, God worked through him in incredible ways. One of them mainly being Anthem of Hope and being able to start this and start this conversation. And Jared was so transparent with his struggles. And I think that was a huge draw to his ministry and to his speaking was that he was open with his struggles. He was open with his depression. He knew that he could relate to people who are struggling on a much deeper level because he understood exactly what they were going through. And so even after everything we've gone through in the last six months, starting with Jared's passing, we really have been clinging on to Jesus. Um, and like Julie said, there has been this, I mean, unearthly peace and something that has just been touching us constantly, pushing us along so that we could carry that torch. And I mean, Jared started all of this and he's passed this torch onto us now. And we're going to be continuing that hope and making sure that what he did isn't going in vain um, because we know more than anything that that was completely God influenced and God ordained. Um, so we want to make sure that hope gets the last word. It's not death. It's not the enemy. It's not depression. It's hope. Um, and one of my favorite verses is when God says that he knows the plans he has for us. They're not for disaster, but they are to give us a future and a hope. And that's something that I've been clinging on to tremendously, that out of all of this, God doesn't have a plan for disaster. Um, it's not for despair. He has plans for a future and for a hope. And so that hope is going to live on and that hope is going to get the last word. Thank you for sharing your stories. And I just want to say I am deeply impacted and encouraged by the both of you. I'm so grateful for the work that you're doing. I know without a doubt, God is going to use you guys in profound ways to bring hope and change and help to so many people's lives. And you can learn more about the work that Julie and Christian are doing with Anthem of Hope by visiting their website, anthemofhope.org, or their Instagram, Anthem of Hope. 
or you can follow them personally. You can follow Julie on Instagram at it's Julie Wilson and Christian at Christian John W. And let's end with that. Let's end with hope gets the last word. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're feeling, no matter the pain in your heart or the struggle in your brain, there are better days ahead. And even in the midst of what you're going through, God is with you and loves you and your life is valuable and important. Thanks for listening. Check out our next episode next Tuesday. Much love to you all. Thanks again for joining me. I hope you were encouraged. I would love for you to help me to spread the word to bring hope for better days to as many people as possible. You can send a link to your family and friends, post something on your social media, and write a review on iTunes. Thank you for your support. I can't wait for you to join with me again next week for another episode of Better Days.